my favorite topic. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for what you're doing in this house. Lord, give us wisdom and strength and grace on how to lead our next generation. God, you know that we need you. You know how much we need you. We're desperate for you. We're desperate for a move of God among our students and our young people, Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody says. You know, one time I was listening to a podcast, and as a youth pastor is kind of talking, and the youth pastor told the other youth pastor, and this is going to be a common saying we hear in youth ministry, and he said, hey, we only have your youth one day a week. We only have your youth for one hour a week. And he, he was using it in some, somehow as an excuse as, you know, I only have your student for one hour a week. That's why they're so wild and crazy. And the other youth pastor said, at least you get that one hour. I think if, you have a, if you're a parent of a teenager, you know how hard it is to get your teenagers one hour of undivided attention. And I think it's an incredible honor for us as 316 youth that we get one hour with your student with their undivided attention, with them excited about being in the room, and we're honored to have them. You know, I want to share a couple of testimonies before I get started. You know, when I got the call to come to 316 Youth, they said, hey, we have 15, 20 students, and, you know, because of COVID and so much is happening, and, you know, our, our biggest number since I've been here has been 75, and our average, our average has been 50. And we're on our 50, 60 mark, which is about the same size as our first service. So what that means is that we're not just doing a bunch of classic youth ministry stuff. We're not just playing a bunch of games and throwing fart bombs and all these things. Like, like back in the day when you were a youth group, we have a legit service. Where we believe that our service is no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit. We believe the same spirit that flows in the big service, quote unquote, flows in youth ministry, right? And... And just like Pastor Randall Sean, when we pray before service, we pray three times a week. We pray on Monday morning at 8.30. We pray on Tuesday sometimes at 12 o'clock. And every Wednesday we pray an hour before service, one hour straight for our students. Because we know that if the enemy is throwing all these curses and these things against our students, the church has to pray more and be more in warfare. Amen. There's a young man named Ivan who started coming to our church because he followed us on social media on the youth. He's from San Angelo, Texas, moves down here and... Uh, no dad, mom never attended church. His first time attending church was at 316 youth. This, this young man is, uh, had a tough background in gangs and drugs. And, you know, it's amazing that now he's one of our servant internships. He shows up earlier than everybody. He's the last one to leave the room. We left church at 9.30 on Wednesday. He left at 9.29. He said, whatever you need me to do, I'll serve. There's power in the church, y'all. There's a young lady named Lainey, no father, mom who deals with drug addiction. You know, she went to a dentist an hour before service to take out her tooth, and then she begged her mom that she still needs to come to church because she needs to meet with Jesus. Some adults won't even show up to church because it's raining. <laughs> y'all not ready for this conversation. Some adults won't show up to church because it's raining, but we have kids who literally got their tooth taken out in pain saying, I need Jesus today. This isn't a joke, y'all. This isn't a game. We would die for this generation. Because we've seen how much our generation has been kind of passed away and just put to the side. And I'm telling you, our generation, I'm Gen Z, we feel it. We feel it too. 
So who is Gen Z? I'm sorry, I always have to make it so deep. Like, I was just trying to, you know. <laughs> who is Gen Z? Generation Z is the first postmodern generation. This means that this generation is the first generation that does not associate itself with a religious identity. So the, the generation that you grew up in may have been more religious, has been more religious than my generation. Your generation were more likely to become Christian. My generation is more likely to become atheist. Matter of fact, we're twice as likely to become atheists. The number of atheists has doubled in my generation. You know, we talked about are we losing the war? We'll never lose because Christ already won, right? But just because the church hasn't lost doesn't mean we're not losing people. Because we are losing people. There's people who stop believing in the church. There's Gen Z people who stop believing in the power of the local church and the power of the body. And that's what we're fighting for, right? Dang, y'all. Y'all, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to go this deep, Pastor Randish, huh? I have to. Because for them, it's real, right? The percentage of Gen Z atheists is twice than the adult atheists. So there's more teenagers that are atheists than adults right now. The first post-Christian generation, the first one that says, we don't want nothing to do with Christianity. What, what this means is that our strategy has to be different. In the past, churches have kind of grew and, sp and split based off methodology, right? We have denominations basically based off of methodology, how we do church, how small groups are service, or Holy Spirit or not, speaking in tongues or not. For my generation, we don't care about methodology. We care about theology. We just want to know who is God. Like, who is Jesus? So we spent this whole time, and you can, Rebecca, she's on our team. Our whole thing is we're going to teach, preach, and lead Jesus. We're going to teach, preach Jesus, and then we want students to encounter Jesus. We don't, we don't want to just, we don't play games during our service. We don't have a bunch of lights and all these things. No, no, no. It's Jesus. We're going to preach Jesus. We're going to teach Jesus. And we want students to encounter Jesus because our students are wanting theology. They want to know about God. Here's a statistic for you. 73% of practicing Gen Z, that means those Gen Zs who show up to church, go to church to learn about God. Okay? 41% of non-practicing Gen Z Christians, so people who don't come to church who are like, whatever about Christianity, they go to church to learn about God. So the majority of my generation goes to church to learn about what? God. And what are we teaching them? The five ways to read your Bible. The, the five, right? We're teaching them, here's a, the four steps to prayer. Like, we're teaching them all these things, but how can they know how to pray if they don't know the man they're praying to? Come on. And today, like, in, in our youth ministry, we're choosing to say, hey, we want our students to know God, learn about God, but to experience God, to truly experience God. And I think we can speak, Rebecca knows we're here, like, we had an hour-long worship a couple of weeks ago where students are just on their knees encountering the Lord. There's, there's, there's adults who can't even go 30 minutes in worship. Y'all not ready for this conversation. Yeah, so we, we had gym night, okay? We were supposed to have a gym night. We had a canceled gym night so we can worship more. Like, And, and it's not hype songs. We're not jumping up and down. We don't even have a drummer. We have a guitar and five singers and a pad. And the more, there's more engagement. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to hate on the service, but there's more engagement that I see in youth ministry and worship than I've seen in, in, our, in our main service. And it's not because it's, they're better or anything, but there's a hunger because they need to know the real God. 
something about our generation that says, if this God's not real, I don't want it. So they're hungry to find and experience the real God. Generation Z, the first post-Christian generation, that's why our, our methods have changed. My first six months here, I spent a lot more time eating and sitting with students and hearing their stories than spending writing my sermons because they needed to know who I was and who I represented more than what I was preaching about. These students like Ivan and Laney and these students who don't come to church, like I needed to sit down and become their father and disciple them personally because they don't have fathers, they don't have disciples. You know, Pastor Matt always says something interesting. He says, you know, the parents are the number one disciple, discipleship people in their life. And what I noticed, like, I'm like, that's cool, that's right. But then it's like all these kids with no parents are coming to me. <laughs> so now we have to be the ones that are number one discipleship in their life. So our method has changed. We, we've had to sit down and just talk to students and get them a coffee and show that we're available and that we're real. And, you know, more than an email or anything, we wanted them to see our face, show that we're actually here and that we love them. That someone actually loves them and not just uses them for a number, Right? That's heavy. So Generation Z is the first post-Christian generation. The second thing is Generation Z wants to see themselves. They'll they'll buy into something if they see themselves. See, we cannot lead Gen Z if we don't include Gen Z. We can't influence Gen Z if we don't include Gen Z. If Gen Z doesn't see themselves preaching, why would they want to preach? They've never seen themselves on a platform. If they don't see themselves leading worship or, or if they don't see a woman preaching, right, why would they have the power, feel the power to do it? They, they want to, to see themselves so they could be included. We have to start including Gen Z in every ministry that we have. If you're a greeter, start including Gen Z, right? If you're an usher, start including Gen Z. If there's altar ministry, we need to start including Gen Z because we need to include them so they can feel like they can be a part of this church, be a part of this B, capital C church, right? Big church. One thing I, I always found interesting is that the church always says there's no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit. You've heard that before, right? Like, yeah, there's no junior Holy Spirit. And I think my generation is screaming, prove it. Prove to me that you're saying there's no junior Holy Spirit. Because oftentimes, not our, youth, not our church, but I'm saying other youth ministries around the, the nation, but they get the corner closet room with the worst sound system, with the lowest paid pastor and no salary. And then you say there's no junior Holy Spirit. Not our church, though. Our church is, we're, we're chilling, we're chilling. <laughs> we're chilling, we're chilling. We have, we, have, we, have a great, we have a great youth ministry here. But I have connected with many Generation Z leaders. And they say, hey, the pastor tells them there's no junior Holy Spirit. But they preach one time a year on the main stage. Or they get the closet room with no sound system. He said, hey, we got to provide the tools that's necessary to reach this next generation. Because if they're doubling in atheism, we got to work harder. We got to put in more work. Come on, somebody. Generation Z is also known as the fatherless generation. The mo- most divorces happen in my generation. Most people, uh, fathers leaving their kids happen in our generation. And I love this because a teacher, I'm about to preach something for my Sunday sermon. Just forget it, okay? Forget what I'm about to say tomorrow when I preach it again, okay? <laughs> because a teacher tells you why, but a father shows you how. Sorry, I messed that up. Teacher tells you why, how, but a father shows you why. I messed that up. 
A teacher shows you how. So here's the five steps on filling a drink. A father says, this is why we fill our drink. Got that? I messed that up. A teacher shows you how. A father shows you why. There you go. And our teacher screaming, I mean, our, our, our generation is screaming, show me, show me, show me. But the past generation is saying, let me teach you, let me teach you, let me teach you. The, the, our generation is screaming, show me your prayer life. And the, other, and the past generation is saying, let me teach you how to pray. They're saying, show me miracles, not just teach me miracles. And that, that's the thing about us, everyone in this room. That's that power of being a father. But us as the older generation have to father, in a sense, parent the next generation. Say, let me just not teach you how we do it. Let me walk with you and show you why. That's why I love Pastor Randy OG. I always have this, I'm always having these crazy ideas, and I have these crazy things, and he says, let me show you why we do things the way we do them. Let me show you why we've done it this way in the past. I mean, he's a great example of a father, but for you, if you're leading anywhere you're leading, if you're leading the cleansing stream, if you're leading the prayer, wailing women, if you're leading ushers, impact girls, if you're leading wherever, we need to learn how to walk with students through things, not just teach them how to do things. Cool? That's how they speak. This is how they learn. It's show me. Prove it to me. Because think about my generation, all the pastors that I looked up to all had moral failures. Carl Lentz, all these big people had moral failures. The people that I wanted to see preach. Why I wanted to preach those people, they had moral failures. So it is like a disappointing to us when someone doesn't prove what they're speaking. So we need to prove it. Amen? In our personal lives and in the church. If we want a great worship culture, we got to prove it. If we want a great prayer culture, we got to prove it. We got to show it. Amen? So generation wants to see themselves. If we don't, if we cannot influence Gen Z, if we don't include them. And I love this. Generation Z are producers, not consumers. Generation Z is producers, not consumers. Uh, we grew up in this entrepreneur culture where everyone does it for themselves. Like, if you don't like it, I'm just going to start my own company, which is often unhealthy in a church, right? Because we know about apostolic leadership and submission and all these things. But if we don't give Gen Z a chance to lead in the church, they're going to go somewhere else to lead. Or they're going to create an avenue to lead. They're going to be like, hey, if you don't want me to lead, bet I'll start my own company. You know what I'm saying? Bet I'm going to start my own clothing brand or bet I'll go to a different church. It's unhealthy. We know that. All of us in this room know that it's unhealthy. But it's the mentality that they have. We got to give them even small opportunities to lead, okay? And I want you to think if you're, if whatever area you're leading, where's, how can I include a teenager in this? Even if it's just holding a sign out front to greet. Something simple, right? How can I include? You do a great job with having teenagers in theirs. But every area, right, we have to deal with that. Gen Z is the generation of loneliness, isn't it interesting that we're the most connected generation on social media, yet we're so lonely? We're so lonely. I think there's some Gen Z in the room. We can, you, you don't even know why we're lonely. We're just lonely. Like, what the heck, right? <laughs> like, everyone's texting me. I mean, I'm FaceTiming people every day, but somehow I'm still lonely. I'm not, I'm not connected. 45% of Gen Z, they, they, they want to connect with someone other than their family. They want to connect with a person other than their family. And sometimes parents get frustrated at the youth pastor, like, why does he tell you this but not me? Don't get mad. That's the generation, okay? That's just how they are. Don't get mad. It's okay. It's okay. That's how they deal with it. That's just how they are, right? And that's part of who we are as, as a leadership to Gen Z. 
we have to become open to just hearing and listening. Just hearing and listening. Because they have a desire to connect to another person other than their family. And a lot of you in this room are leaders in this church. And they are willing, they're wanting to connect with somebody. Not what age, not because I'm young. Uh, we get that twisted. I'm not the youth pastor because I'm young. That's not, that's not the reason. I'm the youth pastor because I'm available. And you could be a leader to the Gen Z because you're available. Not because you have the skill to be relevant. No, no, no. Because I'm available. They're just looking for someone that's available. Not someone that's busy or, hey, I'm too busy doing my ministry things to actually do ministry. Understand? We got to be available. Say available. Available. Cool. My last point is this. We all have to work together in reaching Gen Z. I encourage you, come visit the youth ministry sometime. Just stand in the back and hear the worship. Hear what's happening. We're seeing a lot of growth. We're seeing a lot of things happening in this place. But at the end of the day, we can have a great youth ministry, but a toxic church. We can have a great youth ministry that loves Gen Z, but a toxic church that doesn't appreciate Gen Z. So we together, elders, leaders, prayer partners, whoever you are, together collectively have to pray to the Lord, say, God, would you give me a heart for the next generation so we can see them stay in the church and lead in the church. Amen? I love you guys. Let's do it. I would say two things. Listen more, talk less. Respond more, react less. So instead of reacting to, instead of someone, say we're having a conversation and I'm already creating my response to him, listen and wait. Show that I'm actually listening and then respond. They don't care if you're relevant or not. They care if you're authentic or not. I mean, dude, our, our generation loves all the old things. They don't care. They don't care about relevance. Millennials cared about relevance. We care about being real. That's the difference. They care about relevance. Millennials did. But we care about are you real or not? Are you saying it because you're just reacting to what I'm saying? Are you saying because you thought of a response that cared enough about what I was thinking? So. We got one more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're still Googling. We still Google words that we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Bet. Bet. <laughs> yes. Wednesday nights. Wednesday nights. And I'll just challenge uh, all of you here. Just think of your ministry. And it doesn't, I I'll say, just to get your wheels spinning, you know, we have a, a war room back there, Some, you know, during every Sunday service. I don't, you know, most of you probably know this. There's someone praying the entire service back in the war room. Uh, if you want to join the prayer ministry, or, you know, why don't we pray for the youth during the Wednesday night youth service, right? It's not, it's not always just about, I mean, yes, we want to include them. Don't get me wrong. How can, how can our youth serve? But it's also, how can I be available to minister to the youth and to be involved and to be, I mean, like, like he said, it is all about being real. It's about being real in Gen Z.